this week's topic is off the back of an event we hosted at LCP last week called Breaking the Glass Ceiling. And it was an event I attended and it was really fantastic. And we had three leading women from across the insurance industry who came along to share their insights of their experience of being a woman in a senior position, but also their journey and their careers and how they've got to that position. And in particular, how we can support other women across the industry to really progress their careers in the way that's right for them. Welcome to Insurance Uncut, the podcast where we explore the big issues impacting the general insurance market. I'm Charles Cronier. And I'm Jessica Clark. And Insurance Uncut is brought to you by LCP. We'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch with your questions or feedback via LinkedIn or our website. Let's kick off with this week's episode. To help us explore this, we have Janita Shah. Welcome, Janita. Thank you very much. Now, Janita, you and I worked together for many, many years, and I know that this is an issue that's close to your heart, and I think you did a fantastic job last week of leading this panel discussion. So first off, well done for an amazing event. Thank you. Great. Janita, maybe do you want to just give us a little bit of an introduction as to what the event was, who our panelists were, and then maybe we can discuss why this is still such an important topic for us to be discussing at the moment. We were just chatting one day and we're saying how there is a lack of events or something in the industry that kind of gets women together and helps to inspire women. Where we came from was there is a lack of diversity in the boardroom and the senior positions. What can we do? What can LCP do to play its part in helping women and other minorities get there? So that's the kind of idea behind it. And the first event was, we call it Breaking the Glass Ceiling event. We interviewed three very senior women. So one was Karen Green, who is the NED at various firms, including Admiral and Aster. Then we had Lorraine Harford, who is the only female CEO at Lloyd's Managing Agent. And then we had Claire Weston, who is the CEO at Great Lakes Insurance UK, which is a part of Munich Re. So we interviewed these three very powerful women and got their experiences, got their take on their journeys and how they got there. And they all had very different journeys. So it was quite inspiring to actually hear that. This issue exists in all industries. Clearly, general insurance is the industry that we're all working in day by day. It feels like the general insurance industry is particularly in need of some kind of a drive to help women get into the boardroom and the C-suite. Yeah, agreed. It seems to be that the general insurance industry in particular is much more male dominated. And it came through actually when I was networking with people after. And at LCP, I don't feel like we have that gender balance issue. Whereas when I was talking to many women after, they were saying about the experiences of how they are the only women in the boardroom and how it's actually quite difficult to relate to there being like 12 men and then you being the only woman and not being taken seriously. So I hadn't appreciated how much of an issue this was in the insurance industry, particularly in a non-consultancy. Yeah, I do find it very sad that this is still a topic that we need to discuss. But unfortunately, I think it is still is. And you're absolutely right, Janita. Many of the conversations I had after the event highlighted, in some cases, very subtle, but potentially behaviours that mean that women don't feel they can progress or achieve maybe everything that they might be able to otherwise. An aspect of this that I've only recently properly gained an appreciation of is how important it is for all of us to have people to look up to in senior positions who we identify with. 
And so there's a self-perpetuating problem. If women don't see other women in top positions, it's that much harder to imagine themselves progressing along that path. So that's where I found the event really encouraging because there are three women who really have kind of reached the top of the game, as it were. And I suppose, although there are deeply impressive individuals, they're also all three really down to earth and people that you can identify with. Their stories weren't kind of fairy tale type stories. It was very practical stuff that they'd done to get where they are today. Exactly, yeah. Maybe this is a good opportunity. So as part of the session, we asked a poll to the room about what were the biggest barriers that women faced in their careers in terms of progression. And I thought the results were really interesting. So Janita, I wonder if you could just share what the results were and what your kind of key takeaways from that poll was. We asked a question around what people thought were the biggest barriers to women progressing in their careers in general insurance. The top answer there was imposter syndrome. Then we had juggling priorities, caring responsibilities. And then third one was firms, mindsets and unconscious biases at your employer. And right at the bottom, we had direct discrimination and sexism. So slightly different to what I had expected, slightly. And I could relate to most of it, but I wasn't expecting imposter syndrome to be number one, to be honest. But I guess. Lack of self-belief is such an issue, and we talked about it a lot at the event. The three women also just talked about the experiences there. It is something that, to an extent, could be helped. If people know it's a problem, then they can help themselves. Like I, I Personally, I struggle with that a lot, a lot myself as well. Do I deserve to be here? Am I right for this position? Even once you got there, you keep questioning yourself. And I think it comes and goes. Like You have good days when you are like, yes, I'm on top of this and, you know, I can do it. And then you have those down days where it's just like, do I belong here? But I think it can be helped. And it's something that I'm keen to explore as well in detail in a future session. But the way some of the women were talking about their experiences, they were saying things like be resilient, know that you deserve it, ask for that seat at the table was a line that was mentioned a lot. Believe in yourself. I think imposter syndrome is number one, but I think it can be kind of helped to an extent. And I think the more awareness we have of that and the more we talk about it and the more actually allies know about it and men and other senior women know that other people struggle with it, we can try and do something about it. I think the juggling priorities is possibly a bit more difficult, but again, different stages in your career, you are juggling different things. For me, it's about on that one, just being as organized as you can, because it is hard to juggle priorities. There's no kind of question about it, but it does get, for example, if you have children, it might be hard at the very start, but then it gets slightly easier as they grow up and they start being more independent. And then you have your, where you have caring responsibilities for pets or elders that then comes in at a different time. So it is really, really hard. But for me, it's about making sure that you're organized, making it clear in your work diary when you are going to be out and when you're not going to be contactable. And it's okay to do that. I think most people, especially since COVID, seem to accept that you have a life outside of work and it's okay to kind of carry on with that. Yeah, that does seem to have improved a lot. All of us seem to have gained a deeper appreciation for the personal lives of all of our colleagues and clients and people that we deal with across the industry. That's such a positive. I think it's a great positive from COVID, yeah. It's just about managing people's expectations and making it known when you're going to be around. And I think also the concept of flexible working has become much more normal. That it then means that you're much used to just not assuming everyone's around from nine to five. And that assumption is definitely going away, I think. And yeah, you need people around in core hours, but 
outside of that, people can manage their work around their lives and what they've got going on. So, Janita, one of the things I'm keen to spend a couple of minutes on is just talking about your personal journey. Because, of, of course, you are a very senior woman in the general insurance industry. And I think a lot of people look up to you, certainly within our team, as somebody who has managed to navigate that difficult path, especially the challenges of having a family and pursuing a senior actuarial career. And as you've said, even in your position, you still feel sometimes you're struggling with imposter syndrome. Just tell us a bit about the journey and also the mindset that you have day to day. So, you know, I was the kind of person pre-kids who would be throwing myself into work, taking every opportunity, working late, just wanting to build on that experience and driving my career. And then kids came along and it was just not what I expected. The amount of time they take up. Yeah, it's hard. You have to switch off from if they're going to nursery, then you have to switch off between five and eight to solely focus on them. And it's just something I wasn't used to. I used to be able to just work into the night if I had to, if I had to, if I had deadlines. So it's a big change. And I came back from Matley when I came back feeling like, gosh, I cannot do what I used to do before. And I feel bad for it. It was really, really hard for me that first year, knowing that I'm not doing wrong by leaving at four o'clock just to be able to pick up the kids feeling that feeling of like the, you know the walk of shame they talk about I actually didn't feel too badly because I felt like people were quite supportive but I can imagine how others in that position might suddenly feel like oh and that first year especially you get calls at in the middle of the day saying your child is sick it's got this bug you have to come and pick it up within the hour and you just have to drop everything and go it was rough and then you kind of pick up your work in the evenings and stuff you still want to deliver on your projects and you want to do your best at home. So it's been tough, but I would say once they settle at nursery, it was a bit easier for me and then it just got better. And then I had a second child. <laughs> so I went back to it again. But I think I came back much more positive the second time, knowing that people are supportive, knowing that it does take a while. So I was a bit easier on myself the second time around in terms of expectations, being careful about how much I took on as well the second time around. So I think for any people who are returning from maternity leave, I would suggest that they take it easy, that it's not just straightforward to just come in and pick up what you used to do. Give yourself that space and time to get back into it. And especially having a young baby and trying to work as well, but they don't really sleep, but they don't follow a manual. So you just got to do the best you can in whatever brain space you have available, really. And then a few years later, you will realize that was just a part of my life. I still have all this other time left when they're a bit older to kind of progress and do more that I wanted to do. So it is just a, you could consider it as a blip, a two, three year. I think that's a really interesting point. I think, I don't know how you feel, and this is probably a very general comment. Everything is like, go, go, go. Once you kind of leave, you go to university, right, I've got to get this. And then I've got to hit this step, got to hit this step. And you probably constantly feel like you're in like a running race because everybody's trying to get to where they need to be. And you're absolutely right that this, if it is just you have a little bit of a slowdown slightly, if you choose to, to have a family, that doesn't mean that you don't have a career after that and you can't do everything at your own pace. I think there's a lot of trying to judge yourself against other people and we probably should stop doing that a lot more and say, recognize that we have our own journey and our own way to get to where we want to get to and everyone will be aiming for different goals. You've touched on something really important there, I think, Jess, which is that I think we have been in the past, maybe still are, in the mindset that a career is like a sprint and it's all about how quickly you can get into a senior position. And actually considering the number of years that we work for, and many of us might work a lot later than some of the previous generation, a career 
is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And we need to be a lot more understanding of people who are going to get there in a longer time frame. And that mindset has definitely disadvantaged women more than men. Because I think you then put your pressure on yourselves, like you're saying, Janita, to, oh, I've got to get back and get going. I don't know whether you necessarily felt this, but oh, I've got to get back on that career ladder. Go, 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 go. But maybe we don't need to put that pressure on not just women, but anybody who want to take time out to look at family or do something else, maybe, or prioritize something else in their life at a particular stage. I think, again, COVID has played a positive there. Like just people have just stepped back a little bit and evaluated the life and seen what they want to focus on. So, yeah, I think it is absolutely okay to just take that time out and then refocus when you're, and actually you might do a better job when you're fully into it rather than half-heartedly trying to manage everything in your life. So I agree. And a lot of the women who we spoke to at the event were just talking about how some of them, these kind of positions did come a bit later in their life. They've had to work hard for it. Maybe go back to talking about some of the other key takeaways that you had, Janita, from the session. So one of the polls we had at the end was asking people, what did they take away and how would they break the glass ceiling? And the kind of number of proportion who said building networks is so important was astronomically high. The kind of event we had was perfect for that kind of thing. Building networks, having these connections and recognizing that all these early interactions you have in your career, even when you're a student who is going along for the actor tutorial, those interactions are so important because you never know how that person might bump into you later on in your career. And you still have to work hard for your position and you slowly show your skill set, but those interactions will have helped you because you've formed rapport with that person. The insurance industry is really, really small. I think in that respect, it's quite different. And so these connections are very important. And actually, those tight-knit connections are part of what has made it very difficult for women to break in because it is a very tight-knit community, happens to be a community mainly of men historically. That is thankfully changing. But I think we've got an opportunity because certainly the London insurance market is one that is so relationship-driven. And so as much as that's been a problem in the past, we could turn it into a massive advantage if we create space for women to create those stronger networks. And talking about creating space, that's another thing that came up as well. So there were a few men at the event and senior women who have already climbed that ladder and want to be allies to other people still going up that ladder. And that came up quite a lot, actually, recognizing that women are sitting there and struggling and wanting that position. So people recognize that they should be creating space and opportunities. And the advice to women was actually ask more senior people for their time. They're not going to say no to you. If you feel like you want to just understand a bit more about some senior person's role, drop them an email and ask them for their time. And they're not going to say no, really, actually. People don't even realize that they are people out there who want to know more about what they're doing. And people like talking about themselves. <laughs> so go and talk to them, understand what they're doing, make that connection within your firm, identify who your allies are as well. And then you can go to them when you need that help and when you're ready to make that move. I think this was one of the major strengths of the event that you ran last week is that I think peer-to-peer -peer networking to an extent happens naturally, but networking with people who are a few years or maybe many years ahead of you in their career doesn't happen that naturally. And so an event like this, we had everybody chatting across that group and hopefully forming connections with people who they can look up to, who they can get advice from, whether it's formal mentoring or just sort of a degree of inspiration. That I found amazing. I mean, our panelists were pounced on immediately <laughs> after the event. There were loads of people who wanted to talk to them and understandably so. And that was just so helpful. When we ran the session, 
we had the opportunity for the audience to send in questions. I was actually kind of tech support on the day. So I was there kind of trying to filter the questions and feed them through to Danita. So we got the most popular ones answered. But we had so many in that we didn't actually get the opportunity to go through them all with the panellists. So we thought, Janita, we'd take this opportunity to maybe ask you a couple of them and get your takes on them. Because there were some real gems in the questions that we got asked. So firstly, I guess, what has been your biggest challenge in your career? So I think for me, the biggest one has been, already talked about this, coming back from maternity leave and that adjustment period while I was trying to get back used to work again. So trying to go at the same rate as I used to go before and then coming back in, it just was too hard. And then recognizing that and slowing down a bit after that. Great. Another really great question was, how would you develop general management or leadership skills and have them recognized versus specialist technical skills? Yeah, so this is a good one. So I tend naturally to like people leadership stuff, you know. (laughs) So I think the best way to do that, not everyone has an appetite for doing it. So if you like leadership stuff, then you talk to your manager and try and maybe ask them if you can be line manager for one or two people. I don't know if this opportunity exists. You could be responsible for mentoring them, their appraisals and things like that. And then you can always go on leadership courses as well to gain more skills, again, depending on what your firm offers you. And then if it's going well, if you're enjoying it, then you try and branch out to other areas. You start maybe helping out with recruitment. For me, that's how it worked out. I started off small and then became team leader. And I really enjoyed doing that. And then it's just about making it known that that's what drives you. That's what energizes you. I think it's as important as any specialist technical skills because a happy firm or a happy team, it means it's a more productive team. So yeah, I think it's about making it known what you want and then doing it. One of the things that we're going to be talking about in a few days' time at our annual risk and capital seminar is the central role of people risk in the way it impacts all other risks for a general insurer. And so never has it been more important to have highly skilled managers who can keep people happy in their job, improve retention and recruitment, and just keep the organization working in a productive and happy way. Absolutely. One of the other questions we were asked, and I think this is a very interesting question, so we interested to get your thoughts on this, Anita. So what, if any, are some of the advantages we have as women in business and how can we use these for the greater good? So this is a good one. And I wouldn't want to stereotype women while I'm answering this, but we know without question, having a diverse environment will lead to more kind of innovation and creative thinking in the business. And therefore it's a good thing. We all know that. And again, without wanting to stereotype women, I think there are some things that women can bring to business, which maybe others cannot as well. So for example, I think scientifically it's known that women are more risk averse. I don't think that's a bad thing. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're taking the right amount of risk because without risk, you don't get reward. But there could be like a balance to be drawn there. And I think having women in particularly in senior leadership positions might help that balance a bit. It might help the risk culture at a firm. Also, I think women might be good at resolving conflict and maybe people leadership type issues, which we just talked about how important those things are. So that could be helpful. Perhaps they're more open to change. I'm not saying men can't do these things or others who don't identify as female can't do these things. I just think some things come more naturally to women without, again, wanting to stereotype women. So I think there are things that women can definitely bring to business at a balanced level. I think that's all for the greater good. And certainly one thing I would add to that would be that there is a generation of women now who still have had to come up the hard way in business in that they've had to overcome a lot of obstacles. And I think that 
rightly or wrongly, that imbues people with certain wisdom and experience, and that can only help make sort of more balanced leadership decisions and hopefully pave a way so that future generations coming up don't have to go through the same challenges. Absolutely. And as you said, it's a perpetual problem, isn't it? You want women in leadership positions to be inspiring those women who are getting there. So there's just so many good things about having women or the minorities at a senior position. I've got one final question from the ones we asked, which links very nicely to this point. And it's how do you feel or what's your views on setting targets or quotas for achieving more diversity in the senior positions? I think as a woman, you don't want to feel like you ever got something just because you were a woman, just because you had a characteristic that meant that you felt like you didn't earn the role. But at the same time, as we've just been saying, you need role models, you need people to inspire people to kind of help break the cycle. So what's your views on that, Janita? <laughs> it's a tricky one. I personally don't like targets or quotas. I think that it can work the wrong way. I do not want to be recruiting people simply to be filling a target or a quota. I want to be giving the position out on merit. And I slightly worry about positive discrimination after when you have such things in place, you might end up, there could be a perfectly capable male who is maybe better for the job based on their skill set. And if you're simply not giving the position out because you're trying to fill a quota, that can be so wrong in so many ways. So I don't like the idea. I think I like their idea of maybe a target is a better one than a quota. There are two different things as well, target and quotas, right? Quotas, you must fill. Target is kind of, we want X percent of the boardroom to be diverse using minorities, using women, using other criteria. So maybe a target is a more softer approach. The direction of travel is very important. And I think if any organization is not moving in the right direction, you've got to stand back and say, something's got to change. We've got to do things differently because it's not acceptable anymore to be standing still and not moving in the direction of a more diverse workforce and a more diverse boardroom. I think also you can look back and almost challenge. So if you set yourself the target of trying to get more women into senior roles, and then after a set period of time that hasn't happened, why has that not happened? Has that not happened because you've just not had enough candidates through the door? And then why is that not? Are you not putting out enough? You're not appealing to them. You're not looking for them. You're not asking the people bringing you recruitment to come in. You're not looking enough internally. And I think you can do a lot around that to challenge why it's not been happening rather than, as you say, just forcing yourself to do it necessarily. And probably identify the biases within your own systems potentially by challenging those kind of practices. I think that's a great point, Jess. I keep hearing about how nowadays recruitment as well, you have to have a careful think about how you're advertising the job. Does it sound more appealing to one type than another? And when you're sifting through CVs even, are you trying to pick out people who relate to you more? Just you need to try and be careful. I think you're right. It's about identifying biases in the system and trying to set those right. It was an absolutely fantastic event. And I think so many people took lots away from it. So I guess what's next for the kind of breaking the glass initiative? A lot of people at the networking after asked me, what's your next event going to be? There is clearly a demand for it. And I'm so pleased that that's the feedback, really. We have a few ideas up our sleeves. I'm not going to go into any much detail, but I think there could be more panel discussions. There could be more kind of events where we have some inspirational person come along and give a chat, give a talk, maybe on something like imposter syndrome, which is clearly affecting so many people. There were three or four male attendees in addition to the LCP crew and well done to them for coming to an event where they were very much in the minority 
certainly one of the things that I'll be very keen to do is to attract more people in to our future events who would be allies. Um, putting myself in that category as a, somebody who wants to be a better ally, I'm still very hungry for practical tips on what to do more of, what to do less of, to make a bigger difference. But the one that I take away from the session last week is that making space. When you unpack that, there's a lot to it there because it involves actively supporting people, but not micromanaging, not assuming what direction their career is going to go in, but creating a space where people can then exercise their own creativity. That's great, job. Another idea for a future event is something that ideally would appeal to, we would have ideally a 50-50 mix and just have more men in the audience. So the topic needs to be around something that we have more allies coming along to that event. That would be a dream. Really. And I absolutely think that imposter syndrome is not something that just impacts women. Women might very much see that as a barrier for them, but I think there are probably lots of men. Also, imposter syndrome is a massive barrier for them in their careers. And also, I think it's absolutely right that we have this focus on uplifting women, but we all know very well that there are many other groups of us who are historically disadvantaged in various ways. And so to the extent possible, it's going to be really exciting to see how we can extend this initiative and extend the support to those groups as well. Thank you so much, Janita, for coming on and being our guest today. Really, really appreciate it. And hopefully, listeners have taken something away from this and hopefully we'll come along to a future event to kind of learn more about what is a really important subject for, for many people. We always like to end the podcast with some fun questions to learn a little bit more about you. So firstly, what would be your dream job outside of financial services? I think this has changed over time. So when I was younger, I really wanted to be a detective. Oh. I love solving things, solving problems and reading between the lines and using that intuitive part of the brain. I used to love to want to be a detective. I think now that I've had kids and travel for me has stepped back a little bit, I would love to go back to, I don't know, I love researching. <laughs> so something along the lines of being a travel agent or travel blogger, that kind of thing. I just want to get back out there as soon as I get my freedom back a little bit. It's amazing. And then the second question is, if Jess and I were coming around for dinner, and I do think we should come around <laughs> for dinner at some point, don't you, Jess? Why not? <laughs> what would you make for us? Oh, my boys are my biggest critics and they always <laughs> complain about if I order paneer, Indian curry, from a restaurant, they are very upset. They're like, mommy, why haven't you made yours? So I make a spinach paneer curry that I think tastes really good and the boys think so. So that is probably what I would make for you, along with rice or naan and some love. accompaniments. Oh, that sounds tip top. Yeah, I love paneer. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. It's been a pleasure. That's all we have time for this week on Insurance Uncut. Please join us in two weeks' time for another episode. This podcast is brought to you by LCP. We'd like to thank Nikki Freegard, Deepika Misra, Megan Frost, and Matthew Passy for helping to produce this episode. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be taken as advice. All views expressed by podcast hosts and guests are purely their own opinions and do not represent those of LCP, its clients or affiliates. LCP makes no warranty, guarantee or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast.